Hey, good day to you all. It is June 13th. We're on day 163 of Bible in a Year with Bill. Today, we're going to be continuing in 1 Kings. We're going to read chapters 16 to 19, and then we're going to finish off today's reading with Psalm 82. So let's get right into it. The book of 1 Kings, chapter 16. The word of God came to Jehu, son of Hanani, with this message for Basha. I took you from nothing, a complete nobody, and set you up as the leader of my people Israel. But you plodded along in the rut of Jeroboam, making my people Israel sin and making me seethe over their sin. And now the consequences. I will burn Basha and his regime to cinders, the identical fate of Jeroboam, son of Nebat. Basha's people will Basha's people who die in the city will be eaten by scavenger dogs. Carrion crows will eat the ones who die in the country. The rest of Basha's life, the record of his regime, is written in the chronicles of the kings of Israel. Basha died and was buried with his ancestors in Tirzah. His son Elah was king after him. That's the way it was with Basha. Through the prophet Jehu, son of Hanani, God's word came to him and his regime because of his life of open evil before God and his making God so angry, a chip off the block of Jeroboam, even though God had destroyed him. In the twenty-sixth year of Asa, king of Judah, Elah, son of Basha, began his rule. He was king in Tirzah only two years. One day when he was at the house of Arza, the palace manager, drinking himself drunk, Zimri, captain of half his chariot force, conspired against him. Zimri slipped in, knocked Elah to the ground, and killed him. This happened in the twenty-seventh year of Asa, king of Judah. Zimra, Zimri then became the king. Zimri had no sooner become king than he killed everyone connected with Basha. Got rid of them all like so many stray dogs, relatives and friends alike. Zimri totally wiped out the family of Basha, just as God's word delivered by the prophet Jehu had said, wages for the sins of Basha and his son Elah, not only for their sins, but for dragging Israel into their sins and making the God of Israel angry with their stupid idols. The rest of Elah's life, what he said and did, is written in the chronicles of the kings of Israel. Zimri was king in Tirzah for all of seven days during the twenty-seventh year of the reign of Asa, king of Judah. The Israelite army was on maneuvers near the Philistine town of Gibbethon at the time. When they got the report, Zimri has conspired against the king and killed him, right there in the camp they made Omri, commander of the army, king. Omri and the army immediately left Gibbethon and attacked Tirzah. When Zimri saw that he was surrounded and as good as dead, he entered the palace citadel, set the place on fire, and died. It was a fit end for his sins, for living a fragrantly evil life before God, walking in the footsteps of Jeroboam, sinning and then dragging Israel into his sins. As for the rest of Zimri's life, along with his infamous conspiracy, it's all written in the chronicles of the kings of Israel. After that, the people of Israel were split right down the middle. Half favored Tibni, son of Ginnath, as king, and half wanted Omri. Eventually, the Omri side proved stronger than the Tibni side. Tibni ended up dead, and Omri king. Omri took over as king of Israel in the 31st year of the reign of Asa, king of Judah. He ruled for 12 years, the first six in Tirzah. 
He then bought the hill in Samaria, the hill Samaria from Shemer for 150 pounds of silver. He developed the hill and named the city that he built Samaria after its original owner Shemer. But as far as God was concerned, Omri lived an evil life, set new records in evil. He walked in the footsteps of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, who not only sinned but dragged Israel into his sins, making God angry. Such an empty-headed, empty-hearted life. The rest of Omri's life, the mark he made on his times, is written in the chronicles of the kings of Israel. Omri died and was buried in Samaria. His son Ahab was the next king after him. Ahab, son of Omri, became king of Israel in the 38th year of Asa, king of Judah. Ahab, son of Omri, was king over Israel for 22 years. He ruled from Samaria. Ahab, son of Omri, did even more open evil before God than anyone yet, a new champion in evil. It wasn't enough for him to copy the sins of Jeroboam, son of Nebat. No, he went all out, first by marrying Jezebel, daughter of Ethbaal, king of the Sidonians, and then by serving and worshipping the god Baal. He built a temple for Baal in Samaria, and then furnished it with an altar for Baal. Worse, he went on and, went on and built a shrine to the sacred whore Asherah. He made the God of Israel angrier than all the previous kings of Israel put together. It was under Ahab's rule that Hiel of Bethel refortified Jericho, but at a terrible cost. He ritually sacrificed his firstborn son Abiram at the laying of the foundation, and his youngest son Segub at the setting up of the gates. This is exactly what Joshua, son of Nun, said would happen. 1 Kings chapter 17 and then this happened. Elijah the Tishbite, from among the settlers of Gilead, confronted Ahab. As surely as God lives, the God of Israel before whom I stand in obedient service, the next years are going to see a total drought, not a drop of dew or rain unless I say otherwise. God then told Elijah, Get out of here and fast. Head east and hide out at the Kareth Ravine on the other side of the Jordan River. You can drink fresh water from the brook. I've ordered the ravens to feed you. Elijah obeyed God's orders. He went and camped in the Kareth Canyon on the other side of the Jordan. And sure enough, ravens brought him meals, both breakfast and supper, and he drank from the brook. Eventually, the brook dried up because of the drought. Then God spoke to him, Get up and go to Zarephath in Sidon and live there. I've instructed a woman who lives there, a widow, to feed you. So he got up and went to Zarephath. As he came to the entrance of the village, he met a woman, a widow, gathering firewood. He asked her, Please, would you bring me a little water and a jug? I need a drink. As she went to get it, he called out, And while you're at it, would you bring me something to eat? She said, I swear, as surely as your God lives, I don't have so much as a biscuit. I have a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a bottle. You found me scratching together just enough firewood to make a last meal for my son and me. After we eat it, we'll die. Elijah said to her, Don't worry about a thing. Go ahead and do what you've said. But first make a small biscuit for me and bring it back here. Then go ahead and make a meal from what's left for you and your son. This is the word of the God of Israel. The jar of flour will not run out and the bottle of oil will not become empty before God sends rain on the lands and ends this drought. And she went right off and did it did just as Elijah asked, and it turned out as he said, daily food for her and her family. The jar of meal didn't run out, and the bottle of oil didn't become empty. God's promise fulfilled to the letter, exactly as Elijah has de had delivered it. Later on, the woman's son became sick. 
The sickness took a turn for the worse, and then he stopped breathing. The woman said to Elijah, Why did you ever show up here in the first place? A holy man, barging in, exposing my sins, and killing my son. Elijah said, Hand me your son. He then took him from her bosom, carried him up to the loft where he was staying, and laid him on his bed. Then he prayed, O God, my God, why have you brought this terrible thing on this widow who has opened her home to me? Why have you killed her son? Three times he stretched himself out full length on the boy, praying with all his might, God, my God. Put breath back into this boy's body. God listened to Elijah's prayer and put breath back into his body. He was alive. Elijah picked the boy up, carried him downstairs from the loft, and gave him to his mother. Here's your son, said Elijah, alive. The woman said to Elijah, I see it all now. You are a holy man. When you speak, God speaks a true word. 1 Kings chapter 18 A long time passed. Then God's word came to Elijah. The drought was now in its third year. The message, go and present yourself to Ahab. I'm about to make it rain on the country. Elijah sent, set out to present himself to Ahab. The drought in Samaria at the time was most severe. Ahab called for Obadiah, who was in charge of the palace. Obadiah feared God. He was very devout. Earlier, when Jezebel had tried to kill off all the prophets of God, Obadiah had hidden away a hundred of them in two caves, fifty in a cave, then supplied them with food and water. Ahab ordered Obadiah, go through the country, locate every spring and every stream. Let's see if we can find enough grass to keep our horses and mules from dying. So they divided the country between them for the search. Ahab went one way, Obadiah the other. Obadiah went his way, and suddenly there he was, Elijah. Obadiah fell on his knees, bow, bowing in reverence, and exclaimed, Is it really you, my master, Elijah? Yes, said Elijah, the real me. Now go and tell your boss, I've seen Elijah. Obadiah said, But what have I done to deserve this? Ahab will kill me. As surely as your God lives, there isn't a country or kingdom where my master hasn't sent out search parties looking for you. And if they said, We can't find him, we've looked high and low, he would make that country or kingdom swear that you were not to be found. And now you're telling me, Go and tell your master Elijah's found. The minute I leave you, the Spirit of God will whisk you away to who knows where. Then when I report to Ahab, you'll have disappeared and Ahab will kill me. And I've served God devoutly since I was a boy. Hasn't anyone told you what I did when Jezebel was out to kill the prophets of God? How I risked my life by hiding a hundred of them, fifty to a cave, and made sure they got food and water? And now you're telling me to draw attention to myself by announcing to my master, Elijah's been found. Why, he'll kill me for sure. Elijah said, As surely as God of the angel armies lives, and before whom I take my stand, I'll meet with your master face to face this very day. So Obadiah went straight to Ahab and told him, and Ahab went out to meet Elijah. The moment Ahab saw Elijah, he said, So it's you, old troublemaker. It's not, who I, it's not I who has caused trouble in Israel, said Elijah, but you and your government. You've dumped God's ways and commands and run off after the local gods, the Baals. Here's what I want you to do. Assemble everyone in Israel at Mount Carmel and make sure that the special pets of Jezebel, the 450 prophets of the local gods, the Baals, and the 400 prophets of the whore goddess Asherah are there. So Ahab summoned everyone in Israel 
particularly the prophets, to Mount Carmel. Elijah challenged the people, how long are you going to sit on the fence? If God is the real God, follow him. If it's Baal, follow him. Make up your minds. Nobody said a word. Nobody made a move. Then Elijah said, I'm the only prophet of God left in Israel, and there are 450 prophets of Baal. Let the Baal prophets bring up two oxen. Let them pick one, butcher it, and lay it out on an altar on firewood, but don't ignite it. I'll take the other ox, cut it up, and lay it on the wood, but neither will I light the fire. Then you pray to your gods, and I'll pray to God. The God who answers with fire will prove to be, in fact, God. All the people agreed. A good plan. Do it. Elijah told the Baal prophets, Choose your ox and prepare it. You go first. You're the majority. Then pray to your God, but don't light the fire. So they took the ox he had given them, prepared it for the altar, then prayed to Baal. They prayed all morning long, Oh, Baal, answer us. But nothing happened, not so much as a whisper of breeze. Desperate, they jumped and stomped on the altar they had made. By noon, Elijah had started making fun of them, taunting, Call a little louder. He is a god after all. Maybe he's off meditating somewhere or other. Or maybe he's gotten involved in a project. Or maybe he's on vacation. You don't suppose he's overslept, do you, and needs to be waked up? They pr prayed louder and louder, cutting themselves with swords and knives, a ritual common to them until they were covered with blood. This went on until well past noon. They used every religious trick and strategy they knew to make something happen on the altar, but nothing happened, not so much as a whisper, not a flicker of response. Then Elijah told the people, enough of that, it's my turn. Gather around. And they gathered. He then put the altar back together, for by now it was in ruins. Elijah took twelve stones, one for each of the tribes of Jacob, the same Jacob to whom God had said, From now on your name is Israel. He built the stones into the altar in honor of God. Then Elijah dug a fairly wide trench around the altar. He laid firewood on the altar, cut up the ox, put it on the wood, and said, Fill four buckets with water and drench both the ox and the firewood. Then he said, Do it again, and they did it. Then he said, Do it a third time, and they did it a third time. The altar was drenched, and the trench was filled with water. When it was time for the sacrifice to be offered, Elijah the prophet came up and prayed, O God, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, make it known right now that you are God in Israel, that I am your servant, and that I'm doing what I'm doing under your orders. Answer me, O God. O answer me and reveal to this people that you are God, the true God, and that you are giving these people another chance at repentance. Immediately, the fire of God fell and burned up the offering, the wood, the stones, the dirt, and even the water in the trench. All the people saw it happen and fell on their faces in awed worship, exclaiming, God is the true God! God is the true God! Elijah told them, Grab the Baal prophets! Don't let one get away! They grabbed them. Elijah had them taken down to the brook Kishon, and they massacred the lot. Elijah said to Ahab, Up on your feet, eat and drink, celebrate, rain is on the way, I hear it coming. Ahab did it, got up and ate and drank. Meanwhile, Elijah climbed to the top of Carmel, bowed deeply in prayer, his face between his knees. Then he said to his young servant, On your feet now, look toward the sea. He went, looked, and reported back. I don't see a thing. Keep looking, said Elijah, seven times if necessary. And sure enough, the seventh time he said, Oh yes, a cloud, but very small, no bigger than someone's hand rising out of the sea. 
Quickly then, on your way, tell Ahab, saddle up and get down from the mountain before the rain stops you. Things happened fast. The sky grew black with wind-driven clouds and then a huge cloudburst of rain with Ahab hightailing it in his chariot for Jezreel. And God strengthened Elijah mightily, pulling up his robe and tying it around his waist. Elijah ran in front of Ahab's chariot until they reached Jezreel. 1 King chapter 19 Ahab reported to Jezebel everything that Elijah had done, including the massacre of the prophets. Jezebel immediately sent a messenger to Elijah with her threat, The gods will get you for this, and I'll get even with you. By this time tomorrow you'll be as dead as any one of those prophets. When Elijah saw how things were, he ran for dear life to Beersheba, far in the south of Judah. He left his young servant there and then went on into the desert another day's journey. He came to a lone broom bush and collapsed in its shade, wanting in the worst way to be done with it all, to just die. Enough of this, God, take my life. I'm ready to join my ancestors in the grave. Exhausted, he fell asleep under the lone broom brush. Suddenly an angel shook him awake and said, Get up and eat. He looked around, and to his surprise, right by his head were a loaf of bread baked on some coals and a jug of water. He ate the meal and went back to sleep. The angel of God came back, shook him awake again, and said, Get up and eat some more. You've got a long journey ahead of you. He got up, ate and drank his fill, and set out. Nourished by that meal, he walked forty days and nights all the way to the mountain of God, to Horeb. When he got there, he crawled into a cave and went to sleep. Then the word of God came to him. So Elijah, what are you doing here? I've been working my heart out for the God of the angel armies, said Elijah. The people of Israel have abandoned your covenant, destroyed the places of worship, and murdered your prophets. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me. Then he was told, go, stand on the mountain at attention before God. God will pass by. A hurricane wind ripped through the mountains and shattered the rocks before God. But God wasn't to be found in the wind. After the wind, an earthquake, but God wasn't in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, fire, but God wasn't in the fire. And after the fire, a gentle and quiet whisper. When Elijah heard the quiet voice, he muffled his face with his great cloak, went to the mouth of the cave and stood there. A quiet voice asked, So, Elijah, now tell me, what are you doing here? Elijah said it again, I've been working my heart out for God, the God of the angel armies, because the people of Israel have abandoned your covenant, destroyed your places of worship, and murdered your prophets. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me. God said, go back the way you came through the desert to Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazael, make him king over Aram. Then anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, make him king over Israel. Finally, anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel Mahola to succeed you as prophet. Anyone who escapes death by Hazael will be killed by Jehu, and anyone who escapes death by Jehu will be killed by Elisha. Meanwhile, I'm preserving for myself 7,000 souls, the knees that haven't bowed to the god Baal, the mouths that haven't kissed his image. Elijah went straight out and found Elisha, son of Shaphat, in a field where there were 12 pairs of yoked oxen at work plowing. Elisha was in charge of the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak over him. Elisha deserted the oxen, ran after Elijah and said, Please, let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, then I'll follow you. Go ahead, said Elijah, but mind you, don't forget what I've just done to you. 
So Elisha left. He took his yoke of oxen and butchered them. He made a fire with the plow and tackle and boiled the meat, a true farewell meal for the family. Then he left and followed Elijah, becoming his right-hand man. Psalm chapter 82. This is an Asaph psalm. God calls the judges into his courtroom. He puts all the judges in the dock. Enough! You've corrupted justice long enough. You've let the wicked get away with murder. You're here to defend the defenseless, to make sure that underdogs get a fair break. Your job is to stand up for the powerless and prosecute all those who exploit them. Ignorant judges head in the sand judges. They haven't a clue to what's going on. And now everything's falling apart. The world's coming unglued. I commissioned you, judges, each one of you, deputies of the high God. But you've betrayed your commission, and now you're stripped of your rank, busted. Oh, God, give them their just desserts. You've got the whole world in your hands. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word today. I pray that you would bless the reading of your word on this day. You know, I'm absolutely amazed by this story of Elijah and the prophets of Baal. It's wow. It blows my mind to think that he had the boldness and the confidence in God to stand up to those 450 prophets of Baal and say, go ahead, put more water on it. Put more water on it. My God will burn it up. Wow. You know what's even more amazing about that? Is our God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same God that burnt up that altar and the dirt and the meat and the bones and the water is the same God that we can come to through Jesus Christ every day. That is amazing. Thank you, my friends, for joining me today here on Bible in a Year with Bill. I look forward to doing this every day. This is amazing. I love going through the Word. I hope you're enjoying it too. You know, feel free to reach out to me. Tell me how you're how you're doing. Tell me how you came across this. Tell me what it means to you to be listening to this. I can be reached. My email is Bible in a Year with Bill at gmail.com you can also reach me on facebook at bible in a year with bill and on instagram bible in a year with bill funny that it's all the same name anyway my friends i will see you tomorrow take care now